That's right, it's that time again, sort of. Even though there's no real schedule for this, this is freaking anime. And video video Kong Video Game Book Club. So this is hopefully a mini pod. I yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hopefully a mini pod. I don't know. Just kind of a spin-off thing. But I did promise a mini pod of some sort, kind of trying to quickly throw in the stuff if I had time to do a Pongtoberfest special mini pod which I haven't completely put together. It's, pr- I don't know, man. I hope it's something special. <laughs> so yeah, today's uh, roster, as you can probably guess, freaking anime. Well, it's, this is that one anime episode and I'm calling it freaking anime one because if I do another spinoff, this gets like a good response, you know, maybe I'll do another one. We'll see. I don't know. But yeah, I've been as uh, just like last time, I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of uh, popular anime, so why? I don't know. I've just been in that mood. I've been. I don't know. I've been in a weird mood recently, and I don't know. Just maybe, maybe I need a break or something, and maybe I'm just like unconsciously forcing myself to take that break. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Welcome to the mini pod. I'm your host, Sensei Pong. So that's about it. Uh, things to look forward to in this show. Yes, we will be covering the video game book club games, in, which included Paladins, Splatterhouse 3, and 20XX this time. And yeah, they're all relatively short games, but I didn't have much time to play. But a couple of the games, I definitely had more time to play than the others. But regardless of that, hopefully uh, next video game book club will be actually pretty good because I've got a fun idea. So stay tuned for that. Um... A little bit of news on the Visual Novel Interactive Fiction and Text Adventure Month for some LPs that you can look forward to and video game book club games that you can look forward to. And for some reason, visual novels are really easy to just kind of blast through for me. Like, yeah, when I when I let's play them, I take my time because I'm trying to, like, read it all and, like, in a good narrative manner, like trying to do voices, trying to do this and that throwing my two cents here and there, you know, add a little bit more flavor than just what the visual novel is, regardless of how good the visual novel is, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, things on that. Um, In terms of news, I'm not going to be covering that much news. It's kind of a heavy news week for a whole bunch of things. So I figured, okay, well, you know, you don't want to hear me like just ramble on about like this and that and kind of copycat other uh, video game podcasts out there just basically sputtering off what I think about whatever this and that you know but there is one thing that in that is related to video games that I think does need to be updated and it's the Toys R Us thing so look forward to that if you're curious about that and then after all that we'll go into the freaking anime segment and uh, talk about what I've been watching and binge watching because oh boy I've, I've been I've binge watched quite a bit so <laughs> get ready for that. Hopefully I can remember them all. <laughs> and then, um, oh boy, this, this list is stupid long. I've got notable releases, mostly Switch releases, uh, some 3DS releases, and some PC releases. And one PS4 title that I'm excited for. But since I don't own a PS4, I don't really care. I'll probably get it on something else. Because it's a multi, uh, multi-thingy release. It's not a exclusive and finally to wrap it all up i've got fun fact of the day 
that's if we have time. <laughs> I only okay. So like the reason why there's such a huge list of uh, switch releases was this is actually my second recording and I messed up the recording and it got corrupted. Blah blah. Also, even then, I don't remembering back. I don't feel like it was that good of a recording, so I'm not too sad. But it was a, basically a switch edition thing. So yeah, that's why there was a whole bunch of switch news on this one. Uh, well, switch releases because I was trying to concentrate on that i actually threw in a whole bunch like well not a whole bunch but five 3ds games that are coming up soon on this list just because i was just like way too switch heavy i was like Ugh. and i threw in a couple uh pc games one i f totally forgot was coming out really really freaking soon and if you enjoy old school platformers definitely the 3d platformers you should stay tuned for that for the by the end of this episode hopefully this won't go past 45 minutes no promises so, notable things I've played. Hmm. Like I said, I haven't really had much time to play much of anything. And when I have, I, I've been in like a weird kind of lazy mood where I just kind of want to watch something. I, I'm like craving story. I'm craving not so much gameplay, but like story. So maybe that's why I've been watching a lot of anime. Um, haven't really watched a bunch of Netflix, honestly. Like, that's not anime, but I don't know. It's weird. It's, I've been in a weird mood recently. Not, and it's not anything bad, but like these kind of, like I've, I've said this before in other podcasts, like other episodes where, and maybe probably some Let's Plays too, but my, my tastes go up and down, up and down. So like, you know, sometimes I'm like really into one thing and then like a few months later I'm in a completely different zone, but I still love it all. I like mixing it up. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just needed a mix-up. Kind of like shake shake my internal soda bottle. I don't know. That creates a weird image. It's like there's a bottle of RC Cola right in my tummy. And be like, blah, 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 blah. That's what's going down. Yeah. Oh, anywho. Notable things I have played, though. I did play the, the Switch demo for a Project Octopod. Uh, Octo, Octopod. <laughs> Not Octopod. Project Octopath Traveler. On the Switch, which is the new Squeenix game coming out later this year. Um, I don't think they have a set release date just yet, but I think the the plan is that they release it before Christmas. So it makes sense. That's it's a high selling time. So expect it maybe in November, December, maybe January if they're late. I don't know. So with that, uh, what did I think of the demo? So a lot of people have been like praising this demo for its art style and gameplay and all sorts of stuff and you know i'm a i'm a huge fan of old school jrpgs but honestly the premise of it is awesome oh man i can't remember the name muka told me about it and for some reason i didn't write it like type it out in my notes but um so apparently like if you don't know what project octopath traveler is what it is is a JRPG in kind of like a 3D-ish world, so it's kind of like an old-school, like, Final Fantasy or, like, Legends of Mana, Tales kind of game. So it's got that isometric, well, it's not truly isometric, but it's got that perspective of, like, a 3D kind of thing, you know? That you're, like, walking around, but it's still, at its core, a JRPG. So, uh, honestly, if you're not into JRPGs, like the, the Mana series, Tales, Final Fantasy, uh, Bravely Default which 
this is the same team that uh, developed Bravely Default. So if you're if you liked Bravely Default on the 3DS, chances are you're gonna like this. Um, oh, Saga Frontier. That's what it was called, Saga Frontier. Anyways, the premise of this game is that it's got this giant, overarching, epic, grand JRPG story. Not not anything like that's unexpected. Okay, you expect that. I. But the big kind of quirk about this one is that you have eight different main characters you can play. And each character has their own separate storyline and separate adventure. But they all do interconnect and cross paths at some point, and you can join up with each other and make your own teams. Whether or not you're required to team up with everybody at some point, I'm not sure, because this demo only covered like the, the first beginning chapters of like two of the characters, two of the eight characters. And... I was like, oh man, this is actually a pretty cool idea. Because I always like that idea of getting like different perspectives of, a, of the same story. Kind of like what they did with uh, Fire Emblem, the, the most recent one. Uh, Fire Emblem, blah, blah, blahs. What was that called? Fire Emblem. F Fire Emblem Fates. Yeah. 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 Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem Fates. So you had. Um, it kind of like a Pokemon really <laughs> kind of a Pokemon tactic here, but you had one game which was called Birthright and then the other one called Conquest. But this, the major story of the thing was that these two huge countries were at war with each other. Depending on which you chose, either Birthright or Conquest, you know, you have like Birthright is one of the countries and Conquest is the other one. And then there was another one called. Uh, uh, Fire Emblem Fa uh, Revelation. I don't want to give out any spoilers about Fire Emblem Revelation, which I never played and covered a whole different part of the storyline. But like two very different perspectives, and I always like that kind of idea. I, I I like these kind of things where it's like, it for me personally, it creates a bigger, more expansive lore universe and makes it feel more real, makes it feel deeper. <laughs> I don't know. It it's kind of cool. I like it. it. It shows that they're really trying to think out like a storyline and the, the the complexities of what's really going on in the story, whether it be political, whether it be social, whether it be character, whether it be just straight up plot or whatever's going on in that world. You know, just cool thing, a cool idea like that. Apparently, it's not the first time Squeenix has done something like this or uh, some other game. Uh, Saga Frontier, I don't... I'm not sure if I ever played Saga Frontier. I don't. I don't think I ever have. I really don't think I have. Because my knowledge on uh, like JRPGs is kind of loose. Like I, I know some of them really well, but some like there there's some out there that you'd be surprised I I never really played all the way through or never touched at all. Yeah, it's SquareSoft back in 1997 on the PlayStation. So if you like the idea of playing different characters from different perspectives with different storyline games in the same game and you got a PS1 or you're a PS1 fan she says it's really good go look up Saga Frontier Muka says it's really good and she's a JRPG fan so so back onto Project Octopath yeah so as you would expect it's a turn-based RPG with um HP and um, what they call SP abilities, which is basically kind of like a mana system for like special abilities and all that. I think it stands for special points. I have no idea. Overall, the, the gameplay itself, the core, what it is at its core feels good. And I like this style. I like 
there's a little bit of strategy involved, but it's not too heavy as long as you choose the right things to do at the right times and you know resource manage your SP and all that and your items, you should be pretty golden. It's not it's not too heady or anything like gameplay wise, but it's still rewarding. It's nice to find random loot and be like, yay, that's cool. Uh, the one thing I so the one thing I had a problem with was the art direction. And which is going to sound funny because a lot of people have been, you know, praising this like hand, head over heels just being like, oh my gosh, this is the most prettiest game in the world. Oh man, this is a cool idea, you know. What basically what it is is you've got like a 3D rendered world with 2D sprites that look like an old school Final Fantasy, like uh, Final Fantasy 5 or 6, you know, on top of like some intense like... Uh, it's like visual effects and stuff to make it look real at the same time, kind of. So, but because of this, I felt it. I, I it warmed up to me finally, like halfway through the the Warriors first chapter. But it, it honestly, it felt like I was playing with toys. It was like because you know they're all just like little pixel guys in this, this almost like realistic world. It just it felt like I was playing with toys in a toy set, like. I'm running a little simulation, and it kind of took me out of it, honestly. Um, but I can see why people love it. I can understand that. I'm not saying it's, you know, absolutely terrible, because once I hit that cave, that cave was amazing to look at. I was like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. Just the, the, the effects that they used for the shadows, the feel, the music, the atmosphere, and everything of that cave was really good. Now, if you haven't played this, you don't know what I'm talking about. Don't worry about it. I'm trying to stay as vague as possible so I don't spoil it. Because it is cool. I did like that point. Art, in the art, Art-wise, it was really, really good. And I, I was like, okay, I could see why, where they're going with this. This, is, this could be cool. So, yeah, art direction kind of put me off for a second because of its, like, high 3D textures and, like, particle physics and all that. <laughs> like, particle, particle uh, graphics. I can't think of the word. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you don't, you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then throw on the 16-bit sprites and somewhat 16-bit textures here and there. And it's just like, ugh. You know, that's what I thought. Dialogue-wise for the characters, because there's, there's quite a bit of dialogue, it was, um, it was pretty straightforward. And contextual, like, in context, it's really good. It's, it's good. It's not bad. The voice acting was pretty good. I did like that. The voice acting was fun. Um, definitely that little kid in the warrior story. I didn't really get to play the the dancer story just yet. I only played a little bit, so haven't had time to really sit down with it. But either way, the voice acting in both are are pretty good, and I liked it. That little kid was pretty golden. But uh, what else do I have in my notes? Overall, I like the idea of the eight different storylines. I think that's a great idea. It's a nice callback to old-school JRPGs, and it really feels like an old-school JRPG with modern modern uh, gameplay sen- um, sensibilities. So it's not going to be like... It doesn't seem like the kind of game that might be an absolute drag with like grinding if, the, if, if that's not something you're into. I personally like grinding in games, definitely. You know, on some games, it's just kind of a nice, r- relaxing thing. But, you know, some people hate that, so... I don't, I feel like there might be grindy moments, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as like some of the older classics. Um, now, technically, 
in terms of like how the game runs and everything, I didn't see any like problems with like frame dips, but I'm not really the right person to ask for that because I don't really care unless it's like really bad, like it drops down to like 15 frames per second. And at that point, I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. So, you know, that wasn't an issue. Technically, I think it runs absolutely fine. One thing I did notice was, was uh, when I was playing it for longer than 30 minutes to about an hour and more at a time, there'd be some minor warmth on the battery for prolonged play. So it's it would be kind of similar to, you know, Breath of the Wild situation where it's like maybe it's using a lot of the computer resources, mostly because of those graphics. Because like I said, even though there are 16-bit sprites, everything else, the world, the the smoke, the the shadowing, the whatever you have, all the different, all the crazy graphics that are going on in the background. It's it's not too much for the Switch to handle. It's just, it's it's using its resources uh, like effectively to its fuller potential. So it was warming up maybe just a little bit. It wasn't like anything. I felt like it was worrisome. So maybe not like a Breath of the Wild situation where it's like, you know. Where it will, it does warm up after you know four hours, three hours of play in handheld mode. So with this in mind, um, and the you know that whole thing about bending switches, I, I looked into it. I haven't had a problem with my switch bending at all. Apparently, what's actually going on is that it happens when the switch is in docked mode. So just so you know, not so much in handheld, but there's not enough air circulation going on in the switch for it to cool down properly. So when you're playing in docked mode for like long periods of time, now at this point you're not worried about the battery life because you're straight in the dock and it's, you know, it's docked. That's It's getting its power from the, the wall. So, you know, you play Breath of the Wild for like six, eight hours at a time. It's going to heat up. And with that, the switch is literally slowly melting. And that's what's causing the bending. I haven't had that issue. I don't know anybody close to me that has a switch that's had that issue. Then again, I don't really know anybody with a Switch because I'm one of them lucky bees that was able to get, like, the Switch on day one. So, you know, and where I'm at right now, like, local, like, geographically, Switches are hard to come by. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like Canada. If, you're, if you are looking for a Switch, though, apparently Canada has been pretty well stocked. But I don't... Anyways, what I'm saying is I don't feel like it's, it's a very big issue because I don't think it was warming up as quickly as Breath of the Wild. So maybe for handheld mode, expect a battery life expectancy of maybe about four hours. I'm not exactly sure. And this isn't really anything unexpected, personally, because the graphics, the graphics are pretty good. And from what I can tell, I can actually see there's a lot of technical things going on in the graphics. So with that, I think one way to... Uh, alleviate this whole uh, switch uh, overheating thing when it's in docked mode not in handheld because it's it stays relatively cool and it, the air circulates around it well enough I think in handheld mode but is maybe keep a small fan next to your switch until they come out with a better design where the the dock actually has its own fan I'm not sure honestly I don't I don't know why you can't why uh, personally why I couldn't just like modest switch dock and just add a fan to it but i don't know maybe maybe that'll come in come in time with that but overall i like the octopath traveler demo it was good and it's a 
pretty good sized demo for being a demo, you know. It gave me like a good few hours of gameplay. I was like, oh, well, all right. That was that wasn't bad, you know. You could buy something on Steam for like three bucks for the same amount of gameplay, but this one had was a little bit deeper and made me wanting more. So mostly because it was only partially a story. <laughs> so yes, of course I'd want more if I enjoyed it. It's just like here's the beginning. Play more. Buy it. <laughs> Anyways, what else have I played? Um, as of recent, I haven't played a whole bunch of it, but I've been revisiting Bejeweled Three. Yeah, I know it's it's an old game, but Bejeweled Three. Yeah, when did, when did that release? Why? Don't ask me why. Y'all know why. It's called Puzzle Game Addiction. Oh, it's not that old. I thought it came. I thought it was released earlier, but uh, apparently Bejeweled Three came out in 2010. Okay. Um. Oh, Popcap. I miss you guys. EA. I. I. It's 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 the reason why I hate EA. There's there's a lot of reasons why I have problems with EA. <sighs> yeah. That's a, that's a story. That's a discussion for another time. Because I can just ramble on about that for a long time. What what uh, happened to PopCap Games and EA and all that? Because if you didn't know, PopCap Games got bought out by EA. So now PopCap Games is kind of in the same, a similar concept boat of uh, like Atari. Even though Atari is literally just an empty shell of what it used to be and is now actually owned, run, and completely done by uh, Infograms, which ha officially changed their name to Atari because Infograms is crap. <laughs> Anyways, Bejeweled 3, what did I think? Yeah. <laughs> does it still hold up? Of course it does. It's Bejeweled 3. And since this was a newer computer, I didn't have any of my save information on it within my laptop and all that. So was it hard unlocking all the modes? No, I actually unlocked it within like 30 minutes of actual gameplay. It was really easy, <laughs> but that's only because I've played quite a bit of Bejeweled in my time, so I don't know. It's fun. It's relaxing. If you've never played Bejeweled, it's basically a match three game. I'm not sure why, unless you're like really young, then maybe you haven't played Bejeweled, but it's basically a match three game. It's what it's the match three game that really started the match three game craze, and without, without Bejeweled, you wouldn't have games like Candy Crush. For better or for worse, you wouldn't have Candy Crush. For better or for worse, you wouldn't have Pokemon Shuffle or Puzzle and Dragons, which are pretty good games as well. Candy Crush, I will give it some respect and say, yes, it's fun, but I still like Bejeweled better because I hate pay-to-win aspects. I hate the direction that most casual games have gone these days. As a hardcore casual gamer, <laughs> which sounds like an oxymoron, but as a hardcore casual gamer... I find it very distressing to see the casual game market go in that direction of being like level after level after level. You know, I want something where I can just play for as long as I want, like an original Tetris. You know what I mean? Anyway, he's thinking about um, casual games. Uh, another th notable thing that I've played recently, only because I finally picked it up because it's been sitting in that Google Play Store for probably a few years now. And it, it seems like something that I would probably have played more of, but... Pixel Dungeon. Pixel Dungeon on Android. It's good. It's kind of tricky. I'm just happy that my uh, oldest son is really into it because he's like, I like this kind of game. And I was like, that's cool. It's called a roguelike. He's like, roguelike. Okay, well, he didn't. <laughs> it's not stupid. It's like, this is what we'll call a roguelike, son. Roguelike. No, anyway, it was, I was like, well, if you like these kind of games, you know, I can, um, 
I can let you play the copy of uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. That one's fun. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was like, you get to choose your own, po you get to be a Pokemon and play in a team. I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, yeah, it is. It's actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, that, that made me, that made me smile. Um, <laughs> it came off creepy. <laughs> that made me smile. <laughs> Ew. Oh boy. Oh, what else have I played? Yeah, who cares? Let's just move on to the, to the, the, blah, 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 boom, boom, book club. Book? Book club. Book, book, book club, book, book club. So, did I read the book this time? Did I, did I actually read the book or did I just read the spark notes? Spark notes. Why did I choose spark notes? More people are familiar with cliff notes. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I did, I did read the books this time. One, one book I didn't really read was Paladins, which is available on Steam, PS4, and Xbox One. So, I did play it. Yes, I did. And I checked out the new characters that they added, and oh my gosh. Apparently I haven't played in a long time, because they added a whole bunch of people. Let's look this up real fast. Paladins tier list. Don't know who I should go with. Ten Ton Hammer, or some Reddit thread for Paladins. We'll go to Ten Ton Hammer. I feel like this is going to be biased. So, this is how I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to look at the tier list and see if I kind of agree. <laughs> and, yes, this is going to be kind of similar to the last time I played Paladins. But last time I played Paladins and talked about it on the podcast, I actually played quite a bit. This time I only played a very little bit. And um, test ran all the, like, all the new characters in training mode just to get an idea of how they feel like and all that. Um... So I can at least get some sort of like really loose, shallow idea of what they are and how they work. Which is kind of, okay, whatever. So yeah, so the new characters that they added in that was new, at least new to me was Leon, Ash, going down this line, I believe Genos? Yeah. Ceres, Willow, Zin, I think Inara, Strix, um... Yeah, I think that that was it. Yeah, I realized maybe Tenton Hammer has a recency bias. Wouldn't be surprised, but whatever. I don't know. Yeah, the list is different on the Reddit because Fernando is at S rank here, but on Tenton Hammer, Fernando is I believe he's A. Where where is he? I saw him earlier. Yeah, he's he's A list. So you got. On Tenton Hammer's site, they're going by S tier, A plus, A, B plus, B, and C. So, on the uh, from Tenton Hammer, TentonHammer.com, the Paladins tier list. You can look this up if you want. On the S tier, you've got Ash, Barak, Cassie, Leon, Makoa, Shaolin. And I can kind of agree with Barak because he is pretty easy to use, and and uh, I'd agree with Cassie because she tends to do like really good damage. Um, and Shaolin, I, I suppose I can agree with him being on S tier, but you have to be kind of good at him, and you have to kind of like sniping anyways, but, well, then again, most people are good at sniping, so maybe it's not that big of a, it's like a Knessa situation, but he uses a bow and arrow. Either way, yeah, I, I suppose I agree with that, mostly, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, I, hmm. Some, uh, okay, so tier move, tier list movement. Apparently, Drogos, with some updates, was moved to A+. Fernando was moved down, oh, 
Drogos was moved down to A+. Fernando was moved down to A. Uh, Evie was moved down to B tier for a reason of a few too many bugs can seriously hamstring her. Ash was moved to S tier. Grover was moved to A+. So, yeah, <laughs> I think people are realizing that Grover, as long as you play from, like, play from, like, really far behind, you basically just own the game if, you, if you're if you good at just, like, sniping people with your uh, axe. Um, Lex has moved down to B+. Tyra has been moved down to B+. Kinesa has moved up to A. Zinn has been moved up to A+. And Droxus, surprisingly, has been moved up to A. And Barrick has been moved up to S. So, I, what does this all mean? If you don't play Paladins, you don't care. But I think my, my still my favorite characters have got to be Barrick and uh, Grover at this point. Maybe Fernando. And a little bit of Sky. But I know Sky, Sky is always on the bottom of the list. Bottom of the tier list. But I actually play pretty decent with Sky. But I have to agree with this. Like, because Sky is so easy to like take down and easily counterable people and people have kind of overused her people kind of play a certain style with sky so it's like you kind of know what they're going to do it's sometimes hard to be unpredictable and i think that's what the the key is with sky because i've had some rounds with sky where i've kind of owned the map or i've done relatively well but yeah uh, another point here is i'll just read it easily shut down in a coordinated team and too easily anticipated due to her audio cues Yes, I'd have to say I'd have to agree with that. Because when you use her uh, her ultimate, she's like, "Here, I got a present for you," or whatever she says. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Oh, oh, snap!" You know, and it's you have that like one or one and a half second delay of the bomb actually going off. Maybe it's like only a second or a half second. I have no idea. I don't remember. But like, there's that delay, so you hear her say. Here, I'm dropping a secret bomb, guys. Get ready. <laughs> Y'all screwed now. You know, I, I feel like it's so, it's kind of stupid that she does that. They need they need to get rid of that. It's dumb. I agree with Grok still being on B tier or C tier. Here, he's on B tier because Grok is slow and he's he's not. I don't know. I feel I don't I don't if I if I remember right, I don't remember his damage being all that great. And surprising to see Maeve move from S tier all the way down to B from the last time I looked at a tier list. That's weird. That's a, that's a big one. Maybe, let's let's see. Let's see what the reasons are here. Good mobility and slightly improved this patch. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't, doesn't tell me anything. Because I always thought uh, Maeve was just really good because... Um, yeah, I don't know. Honestly... Here's the thing. Here's my problem with tier lists. As long as you're actually good at the character and you figured out a way to keep keep your character unpredictable enough and you play them well enough, I feel like you can pretty much do well with any character you want. Of course, you're going to have some of those characters that are obviously kind of flawed in certain situations or a lot of situations, kind of like a Sky situation if you have someone... That's really egging on the defense and is well aware that you're there trying to like knock people off from behind. You know, it's like, hmm, I, whatevs. Oh yeah, Willow, Willow is pretty OP. I have to agree with that. I'm just looking at, I'm looking at this tier list. Willow is pretty OP. Now I remember who Willow was. Yeah, she's like the fairy person with like the fairy bombs. It's like pew, 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 pew boom. 
<laughs> it's kind of like Bomb King, but easier because you're not like just basically dropping mine sticky bombs, you know. So if you're not good at aiming <laughs> and you still like explosion damage, go for Willow. <laughs> but I still, I, Makoa is still one of my favorites only because of that scorpion move. It's very, it's very rewarding when you can pull off those scorpion moves with the blast. Be like, get over here and then blast him in the face. I still like that. That's still, that's still very rewarding to me. And again, I haven't played very much. <laughs> I kind of went on hiatus with this game. Um, I don't know. So what do I think? What do I think of all these new characters? I like the new characters. They're all pretty good. Um, they're not all for me, obviously. Some of the characters I like may not be characters you like. I'm kind of a scrub when it comes to these kind of games. So, you know, I'm I'm really not the right person to be asking about it like a arena shooter. It's just, I'm, I'm really not. A TF2 clone. <laughs> yeah, send your hate in the comments below. TF2 clones. Um, the TF2 style. I don't know what it's called. Team arena shooter? Sure. Uh, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still kind of in a sentiment of wanting to wait for the full release to come out. So, I don't know. Am I going to keep playing it? Yeah, maybe. If I'm actually in the mood for an FPS. If I, because if I'm in the mood for an FPS, this is the kind of FPS game that I'm going to be playing. More likely, if it's not some kind of old schooly one, and that's like boom boom with the pop bow and the pew pew. So we'll just move on from this. Tell me what you thought. If this is your first time playing, who's your favorite characters? Personally, my favorite character is still Barrack because I like dwarves. I'm pretty simple like that, and he's relatively easy to use. Barrack is slowly becoming my favorite character in the whole bunch. Um, yeah, so who's your favorite character? Let me know in the comments below. Moving on. Splatterhouse 3. So I forgot that Splatterhouse actually had kind of a heavy storyline going on and multiple endings. I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I forgot about that. I was like, dude. Alright. Now I remember why I didn't... I don't have that much memory on Splatterhouse series because I think I think when I was first playing it years ago, I didn't think about that kind of stuff. I was just like, yeah, it's a beat em up. Let's play. You know, and blood and guts, you know, that kind of stuff. And it throws you off maybe a little bit if you're just a little kid. But, you know, if you're st if you're a kid and just... My automatic assumption is, oh, it's a beat-em-up. Just go in and beat up guys. You know, I can see where why, where and why I didn't get very far. Now, Splatterhouse 3 uh, is pretty cool. You get a little... If you didn't play it, if you didn't play the... If you didn't read the book this time. Uh, this is the Genesis version. I don't remember if there's a Super Nintendo version. But... I have to look that up but in the genesis version at least you go from floor to floor trying to save your uh, save save 
trying to save your wife and kid from the monster, blah, 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 blah. And you're this character that's uh, kind of like possessed by this evil mask. And you got to like the first, it was kind of cool. I, I like this. Um, now, if you don't, there's a time limit here too. So like if you don't get to your girlfriend in time, she dies. But you can still play the game because you got to go and save your kid as well. And it doesn't, the game doesn't automatically end if one, one of the two or both have died. Because let's say you're able to do, pull off a, a, let's say a perfect game. A perfect game in this scenario would be the good ending. The good ending is that both your wife and your kid have survived. And the curse um, that you have with the mask breaks and blah, blah, blah. And you live happily ever after with your wife and kid and all this horror can be put behind you. Now, if you um, don't, if you're not able to save one or the other, you get kind of a an okay ending, where it's like, okay, I was at least able to save you, and let's break the curse of this mask, you know. Now, the, the bad ending is you still break the curse of the mask, but now you're left alone and lonely and depressed because your, whole, your family died and you weren't fast enough. So I thought that was kind of cool, like, it puts a little bit of pressure on the player and for a beat em up it's like it's kind of a neat it's a neat concept and most correct me if i'm wrong but at least all the beat em ups i've played never really had that much of a mechanic in there now i'm think for some reason the only one i can think of is like double dragon and uh <laughs> man i got to be tired or something but the tick the tick not not a very good beat em up it's fun it's fun, and it's definitely fun if you like the tick, but it's kind of repetitive. It's not, it's not like Splatterhouse quality, where it's like you've got that exploratory thing, and you got cool monsters and all that. It's just tick. All the characters kind of feel the same. All the enemies kind of feel the same. All the attacks kind of feel the same. So it's not like it's not as well polished. It is a licensed game, so I didn't. I never really expect much from licensed games. That's not saying all licensed games are garbage, because some licensed games are absolute classics. But back on path with Splatterhouse. And I'm surprised, maybe, has there ever been a Splatterhouse movie? Because I feel like this could make an easy movie. Splatterhouse movie? Oh, maybe there is. Uh, let's see. I, wait a second. The first thing that comes up is this thing on YouTube. Yeah, this is, this is a fan project. Never mind. Alright, so yeah, that, never mind. Never mind, there's, there's never been a Splatterhouse movie. Interesting. Okay, so if you don't know, the, the storyline of the first one is the, ba the big bad guy basically kidnaps your girlfriend and kills you. And on your dying breath, you find this mask and it links up with your body. And it's like kind of a cursed like possession type uh, situation where like it says, I'll let you live and heal all your wounds basically. If, and turn you into a super powered uh, machine if you let me take take you over and then you can go save your girlfriend you know and then the character in last desperation doesn't want his girlfriend to die and all that does it <laughs> no i'm not evil i'm not laughing at this i just i typed in splatterhouse in google and uh, apparently there's this um is hold up okay so um never played the new version in 2010 and it looks like it's on um xbox 360 and ps3 yeah all right there's this one game called Splatterhouse Wanpaku Graffiti. What the fudge? 
Oh, it's on the NES. This is weird. This is like chibi cartoon characters, and it's like all cutesy, but it's still Splatterhouse. What is going on? What the balls? How do I not know this game? Maybe it was a Japanese-only release. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's a Japanese exclusive for the Famicom, which is basically the NES. Um, just the Japanese localized version of the NES. But anyways, huh, okay, Splatterhouse Wanpaku Graffiti. I'm going off topic here. Um, look that up. Just type in Splatterhouse in Google and you'll find it. And you'll see, like, what looks like um, a knockoff Jason. <laughs> and, like, the 2010, like, creepy-looking, like, blood splatter image. And then in that whole bunch, you'll come across, like, this cutesy little guy with a, a butcher's knife and a hockey mask giving the peace symbol. <laughs> okay. I, hmm. I wonder if I can find, like, a a fan version of this like a fan translation or whatever like maybe a rom because how how much would wanpaku graffiti actually sell for let's see okay that's not too bad i guess it's like 25 dollars 35 dollars uh i'm looking at oh these are these are repros 35 a uh, 25 dollar repro english translation at least i i think it's a repro I am not the right person to be asking about this kind of stuff. I'm, I am definitely not Pat the NES Punk. Um, this is not the completely unnecessary podcast. I am the wrong person to ask to be looking to figure out if something's a repro on an NES or Famicom. I would better be suited for like trying to figure out like whether something's a repro on a Game Boy. <laughs> when it comes to Nintendo consoles, the thing I'm good at figuring out if it's a repro or bootleg is the... Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. <laughs> That's where my strength lies. It's there's there's not a huge audience for that, unfortunately. I never really played that up. Um, maybe maybe Genesis stuff too, but um, yeah. No, anyways, basically, the big storyline of Splatterhouse is that in the first one, you gotta go save your girlfriend. Second one, uh, you gotta save your girlfriend again, but um, you're gonna get married and all that third one you've been married because it takes place five years later and now you have a kid and you got to go save both your uh, your wife and kid kind of kind of a neat story very simple very simple story but you know it's fun okay so basically let's 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 uh, break it down to this because it's not like a real deep game or anything outside of you know some cool mechanical things like the the exploratory like room levels and all that like you got to get it's not like a straightforward level you got to go from room to room, beat up bad guys, and maybe find some like items or whatever, and then find the boss room and uh, move on to the next level, like next floor of the mansion. Really, the question is, if you haven't played it and you are curious, does it still hold up? Now, the thing is, I th I think it does, definitely for a beat em up. I think it holds up better than most beat em ups. Beat em ups for me personally, I love beat em ups. I'll always play I always enjoy beat em ups and definitely a good one but I've no, I feel as if beat em ups don't hold up as well as they used to like one good example I can say would be maybe that X-Men the the original X-Men arcade from like the early 90s the one that would have like depending on what cabinet it was you can have up to four players maybe eight players and yeah it's it's definitely more of a co-op game it's more fun with friends but personally, I don't know, it, it could feel a little bit monotonous, 
because you're just going around beating up bad guys, moving on and fight a fight a boss and then move to the next level. You have a palette change, you're in a different level, different kind of bad guys and all that. Uh, cut that out. Dapper J is freaking out in the back. I forgot to use his moniker. Dapper J is freaking out in the back. He is laughing and giggling like crazy, and it's way too freaking late. Baby needs to go to sleep. He, he runs on my schedule. I, I, I have a graveyard job, and he hates going to sleep if I'm not there. So at, it's been getting worse, but luckily he doesn't go to school because he's a toddler, you know. <laughs> he's at the terrible twos. He's my youngest. So, yeah, I got kids that age, range from the ages of like 2 to uh, 10, which is nerve-wracking because my oldest is in middle school now, and I'm just like, ugh. Okay, so that was the other reason why I didn't get to play this game a whole bunch as much as I would have liked, because it is very gory. It's got a lot of blood, and even though it's like 16-bit graphics and 16-bit pixels, in terms of a 16-bit game, it's drawn really well. The animations are really good for its time. I think that's what really, like allows this splatter house at least and from what i remember from the other splatter houses to like really hold up very well because the animation for its time is solid it's so solid it's got to be one of the better like beat-em-ups or just video games i've seen graphically i mean but it is bloody and there's some real freaky looking like monsters from like cthulhu -y. Well, more like demons from like Doom, but you've got you got those real na gnarly looking monsters, and every time you kill, you know, smack them around with like some kind of weapon or whatever you pick up, you know, green goo and blood and whatever starts popping around. And your power up mode when you turn into like the big giant monster thing, it, it can all be relatively freaky for a little kid. So I didn't like playing this. I don't like playing these kind of games. When I've got little kids running around being like, Hey, Daddy, what are you doing? What what game are you playing today? What game are you going to talk about today? You know, I don't want to be like, Yo, check out this. Ch check out this bloodbath. Yeah. You know. <laughs> With at least paladins, it's kind of cartoony. So it's, it's a little bit excusable. So they might just, like, get a small glimpse and be like, Oh, he's playing, a, he's playing one of those shooty games. One of those FPS games. This one, it's definitely horror. It's, it feels like a B slasher film. And that's what's, I think that's what makes it fun as well. I think one of the reasons why it holds up so well. Because it, it, it puts you in the feet of a slasher film. But you're not, the, you're not really the bad guy. Because even though you might look like the bad guy, you're not the bad guy. You're fighting the, you're fighting the bad guys. And that's fun. So I feel like I'm talking in circles here. But, so let's go back to this thing. Do I think it holds up? I think Splatterhouse 3 holds up really well, and it makes me want to look back into uh, Splatterhouse 1, 2, and 3, and maybe do a video on this, like the Splatterhouse series. Maybe not cover um, the newest one uh, from 2010, the reboot, because I've never played that. I don't feel like picking up a whole new game for a system I don't really have anymore, which is the Xbox 360. Birdieberry has it, so maybe I can pick that up for her, but that's not the kind of game she would play. 360. Oh, ouch. IGN gave it a 4 out of 10. Wow, sad. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. From what I heard, it wasn't that bad. Maybe it's not, like, ba a bad game. Maybe it's just not, like, really good in any way. I don't know. Maybe I would have to play it. <laughs> but the, old one, the older ones hold up really well. So, honestly, if you like beat-em-ups, Splatterhouse is a solid beat-em-up. At least from my perspective and from what I know of beat-em-ups. Like, the, the series of beat-em-ups that I, um, I know better would be, like, Streets of Rage, 
um, technically alien hominid. That I would call that more of a shoot 'em up than anything else, like a, a run and gun. Um, though some people have called it a beat 'em up, but it's not really a beat 'em up. It's a run and gun. Um, the Simpsons arcade cabinet. Oh my gosh, I used to play that. I think the Simpsons arcade is the one arcade game I've played the most of when arcades used to be a thing, like in an actual arcade. And I'm not just talking about like mamulation, you know, playing on mame. But um, yeah, the Simpsons, the Simpsons one is a good one. That's a that's a good one. That's a classic. It, it definitely feels old, but it's still fun. You know what I mean? Because just the amount of characters that pop up and the the random mini games in between levels is just spot on. It's spot on. It's, it's, it's good work. They they did a good job back then. Who made that? I'm I'm getting nostalgic about beat 'em ups now. I want to play Double Dragon Four, but I haven't picked it up, and I'm kind of ed like edging on it because I've heard like mixed reviews. Double Dragon Four is the newest Double Dragon, kind of a reboot to the series. It's a continuation of Double Dragon Two storyline, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard like if you enjoyed the old Double Dragons on NES, which I do, and I did, you'd enjoy it. But there isn't enough depth to have it really stand up, you know, against current beat 'em ups, like um, Lost Castle. That's a good one. Lost Castle is kind of a rogue light beat 'em up. Which is a cool idea, and it's fun. If you love beat 'em ups look up Lost Castle on Steam. It's actually a lot of fun. You know, you'd enjoy it. Um, what was I looking up? Sim- All right. The Simpsons. Made in 1991. Ran on a Motorola, Motorola 6809. Oh, it's Konami. Okay. Well, then, that's that's probably why it was good. Back when Konami used to make games. Wow, that's cool. Oh, Konami was also the one that did the X-Men arcade. That's cool. All right. Yeah, the X-Men one... Look, I'm not saying it was bad, but I'm going to say I wouldn't really say X-Men was as good as Simpsons or Splatterhouse in retrospect. I think what made the X-Men arcade game fun was that you just had your favorite X-Men out there. I'm looking at you, Marvel vs. Capcom, Infinite. You had your favorite, some of your favorite Marvel characters like Wolverine and Colossus and Cyclops and Nightcrawler. Was Nightcrawler in that? Probably. Storm. <laughs> and Jubilee. <laughs> I loved playing as Jubilee because, and I always ended up playing as Jubilee because, like, anytime I'd hang out with my friends and go to the arcade, it didn't happen very often, but it was mostly for, like, birthday parties and such. But if I was hanging out with my friends and at the arcade, it would be like, they're like, let's all go play X-Men. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I'd always get stuck with, like, <laughs> I'd always get stuck with either Jubilee or Cyclops because... One kid would be like, Wolverine's mine. And one person's like, the other person's like, I'm Colossus. And the other person's like, I'm Storm. I'm Storm. Yeah. And one person. Yeah. So all all the popular characters are like taken. I'm just sitting there like, well, I'm either Jubilee or, or Cyclops. I like Cyclops. But Cyclops wasn't so low on the tier. So most of the time, if I was playing with other people, I'd end up being Jubilee. So I like Jubilee. And I got good at Jubilee. <laughs> Freaking Jubilee. Though, oh my gosh, I, I pro- I've, I've said this story before at some point, probably on the channel or something, but the one thing I liked about this, the X-Men beat-em-up game, I'm, I'm maybe getting confused with uh, the Super Nintendo or Genesis or the arcade game. I don't remember. I want to say it was the arcade version, but Colossus. Colossus was one of my friend's uh, favorite characters. <laughs> we, re- we soon realized that Colossus, we called him Mr. Constipation. 
because for some reason his special move was like this thing where he'd be like ah! and get like this painful look on his face and ball his fists in the air and be like ah! and like pull down something like pull down in the air and with his fists like ah! and like this like shield of energy would like expand around him and kill any of the bad guys around him or cause damage to the boss you're fighting or whatever and <laughs> it just looked like he, he was the joke was he was pushing out a turd and it was it was made out of metal because he's made out of metal <laughs> it's gross i know i'm sorry poo jokes but what can you expect from middle school pong <laughs> can't expect much <laughs> constipation ban <laughs> he was he was the coolest <laughs> The constipation guy. <laughs> so every time I see Colossus, I love Colossus as an X-Men character, but I can't stop thinking about poo jokes. Oh boy, okay. But yeah, no, in terms of like what games holds up better in terms of a beat-em-up, I'd say if I had to like really like say which ones are better than each other, I'd say maybe Simpsons and Splatterhouse are kind of close to a tie. I need to play the the original Splatterhouse or pick up a copy of the main version of Splatterhouse and all that and then compare it to The Simpsons. Because The Simpsons, everything that I remember, and last time I played it was maybe, had to, I say 10 years ago, but I want to say it was closer to like 15, maybe 15 years ago. There, I was quite surprised even then, 15 years ago, back around maybe like, 2005 2000 it was still fun to play i was like oh well this well no no i wasn't surprised but looking back on it i think i'm quite surprised that it was still a lot of fun to play and it held up relatively decently for its time i was like oh well okay so i'd have maybe it's that art style because it really does just look like a simpsons cartoon that you're playing you know what i mean so maybe that's that's what had why it holds up so well it just looks good and then maybe i'd put x-men just a little bit lower than that not that much lower, but y'all can kill me for this, but I'm going to say Simpsons and Splatterhouse is better than the X-Men Arcade. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love the X-Men game. I love it. I'm not saying I hate it. I love it. Uh, you know, there's some things I just like better. Oh boy, I'm looking at the time. Let's move on. Uh, to, <laughs> so yeah, Splatterhouse 3 on the Genesis. It still holds up really well. Go play it if you didn't pick it up. It's a nice game for the Halloween season, as long as you don't mind the gore. Definitely 16-bit gore. So 20XX was that game that finally released out on Steam in its full release. And they're still patching it and updating it and all sorts of stuff. Patching and updating. But now it's officially released at version 1. something 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 blah blah blah. 1.12345678910. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. No, it doesn't matter. 
the game is technically released now. It's not just early access. And they, like I, I probably said this before, but they've they brought back some old elements that I really liked in the earlier beta versions and brought in some new elements. And when the first time I started playing this game back in like 2015, you know, there'd be some elements in the randomization where I'd be like, oh, I've seen this kind of, you know, tile before where it's like, oh, this kind of like this platform setup. I've seen this before. I've seen this kind of level design before. And even though that still kind of happens with the, the full release, it happens less. And when it does happen, it doesn't feel like a full-out repeat. It feels maybe slightly better, slightly more random. And with that, I like it. Now, platforming-wise, its I wouldn't say it's like as difficult as Mega Man, but it's still it can still be pretty difficult. Definitely if you're not used to Mega Man gameplay. And this game makes me realize I'm still not very good at Mega Man. <laughs> or maybe I've just lost, lost my touch. But, um... I don't know. Do I have a favorite character to play? I have to go with the the girl character, not Ace. I can't remember her name. The Mega Man clone. Not the Proto Man clone. Or Zero clone, really. Because what 20XX is, if you haven't played it and wanted uh, Mighty Number no. 9 to be good, you need to play 20XX. It is a solid roguelite Mega Man X inspired game. It's it feels and looks like Mega Man X. Now, one one problem I have with 20XX is there. I personally feel that there needs to be more and more enemy variation. Because oftentimes or not, you get like similar enemies popping up in different types of levels. So like, you might be in the jungle levels, or you might be in the ice levels, but you'll still see the bat guys. You know what I mean? And you might still see a slight variation on the um, the weird snake guys that like shoot thingies, or like the plant guys. You know, it's like, hmm, it's just there's been a color swap because it's like, oh, this is the ice version, this is the this is the factory version, this is the blah 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 version. You know, I I feel like that's its weakest point, but that still doesn't detract from the fact that it's a solid game. There's quite a bit of um, unlocks that it can occur like upgrades and all sorts of cool stuff i like the challenge modes like the daily challenge the weekly challenge the hardcore mode and i like the fact that they've they brought back the difficulty settings which is nice you can play either easy regular or hardcore basically and all sorts of stuff i i like that and then you can with that you can add and subtract um your experience so you can say oh, now the bad guys do more damage, or now less items show up, or more or more health stuff shows up, or the enemies are stronger now, you know, that kind of stuff. You can kind of nitpick and kind of customize your gameplay experience. So, like, let's say now you're at the point where playing a regular hard mode is getting a little too easy. Maybe just add more junk to it and be like, well, now I can't do this, add this, add this, take away this, you know. So I can see some good replay value coming from that, maybe. Overall, I think the game has a huge amount of replay value, so it doesn't exactly matter. But if you like customizing your experience, it's there. So that's cool. I like that. Co-op-wise, it's still a good co-op game. Overall, I've gotten better at it. 
I don't know. I'm not sure if the game is easier for me now than it was when I first started playing, but I'm doing better. Maybe I'm getting better at platformers. I don't know. But with that, do I still recommend 20XX? Yes, I do. I think where it's at now, I might have to raise its score a little bit to maybe like 8.5 or 9, but it easily gets my thumbs up. All three of these games easily gets my thumbs up. Which one out of the video game book club am I most likely to pick up again? Because these kind of, maybe outside of Splatterhouse 3, I would say Paladins and 20XX is the games that have the, the highest amount of replay value. But if I'm in the mood for a good beat-em-up, maybe I'd pick up Splatterhouse 3. Which one would I say has the highest amount of replay value if I had to like pit these three games against each other? I would say it's 20XX. But that's only a personal taste. This is kind of subjective because I just like platformers and I like I like Mega Man. So, of course I'm going to pick 20XX over, you know, Paladins or Splatterhouse. Now, if I had to choose between Splatterhouse 3 and Paladins in just a random gaming session, assuming the fact that I want to play Paladins or Splatterhouse 3 equally, which one am I going to more likely pick up? It might be kind of a coin toss, but maybe Paladins because of the the chaotic nature of just arena shooters but i think if i didn't have much time maybe i'd pick up splatterhouse 3 for just a quick session you know what i mean even though you know i don't know i like them all they all get my thumbs up but i would say the best experiences for me with this well, the video games in this book the video game book <laughs> with the video games in the video game book club, I would have to say it would have to be 20XX. I enjoyed that the most out of all all three of them. Then maybe Splatterhouse 3, and then... But it, I, I'm not giving Paladins the short stick. I, I probably would have enjoyed Paladins just as much as the other two if I had actually had time to play it. And <laughs> it was funny, or last week, it's like the one time I had time to play Paladins. You know, I was like, all right, well, I've got like few hours to spare i'm going to set this down with paladins and so and because i had played you know quite a bit of splatterhouse before that quite a bit of 20xx before that and i was like all right let's let's get to paladins this one's an easy pickup pick up and play you can just play a few rounds and call it good or play a whole bunch of rounds by like and experiment with different characters and all that in different modes and uh servers went down for maintenance after i had like played around you know just a little bit i was like no no 30 minutes of play. So that was supposed to be my big night of playing Paladins, but I couldn't get to it. So at that point, I had to just kind of sparingly play Paladins when I was able to squeeze it in into my uh, schedule. I was just like, oh, oh, this hurts. This hurts me. So let's let's give Paladins another try again in like for the next episode. I'll give you an update. It's not officially on the book club, but we'll say it's the extra credit because next book club is... Bum ba da dum, ba da ba ba bum, bum ba ba bum, Pongtoberfest. Somehow this turned into Phantom of the Opera with Paladins. Paladins. That was. I'm never doing that again. You know, I say that kind of stuff over and over again, but I keep doing it over and over again. I'm just a, I'm just a big fat phony. Big, I'm a big phony. <laughs> I'm a liar. You're, you constantly lie, Pong. Why? Why? Why, Sensei? It's called a hard lesson, and I'm the Sensei. <laughs> Anyways, with Pongtoberfest, 
I've chosen three games. Two of them are the same things. And I have one extra credit one, assuming to the fact that I won't have time for it. But I'm not sure if I will or not. But it's on the list of the book club as extra credit. What's that extra credit? And what's the other games? Well, first one is The Count by Scott Adams. Now, you don't have to play this. You really don't. I'm not asking you to. It's a text adventure. It's like old school text adventure. I want to say it was made in like 1979, 1982. You know, I'm good at... There's a few things I'm good at when it comes to video game information. I think I want to sit... My mind keeps saying... My gut is telling me it's 1982. But I know that's wrong. Yeah, 1979. Yeah, I knew my gut was wrong. It's 1979. The Count by Scott Adams. Now, you're going to ask yourself, how am I going to play this, Pog? Well, this is easy. There's a few ways to do this. And you can look up... I'm going to leave um, a couple links down below in the description if you want to pick this up. And try your try your wills, uh, willpower with a, a text adventure. Now, if you're like me and have played interactive fictions and text adventures in the past, you're going to have fun with this, probably. You're probably going to have a lot of fun with this. But if you've never played it and don't know where to start definitely on newer systems and all that i do have links below in the description if you want to click on them links you can look up um, the interactive fiction database and look for the count by scott adams it should be there let's double check that it's in my yes i use opera it's in my speed dial interactive fiction database yeah scott adams three out of five stars according to these folks they're not always right okay there there you go yeah, they've got they've got um, download links. So yeah, I'll leave a link to this in the description below so you can actually download the game. But now here's the other problem. You're not going to be able to play the game if you don't have an interpreter. And I'll have a link for that as well. If you want to look for it yourself, if you're running um, pretty much anything uh, outside of Android and iPhone, you can uh, look. My personal favorite interpreter is Gargoyle. Then maybe it's going to be a Drift and Frots. Um, QTADS is pretty good from what I've heard. Uh, for Mac systems, uh, there's this thing called Spatterlight. It's supposed to be able to read like a whole bunch of different types of files. And then um, on Android for uh, these interactive fictions, I would recommend this one simply called Text Fiction. But if you go onto Google Play and just search up interactive fiction, that should be one of the first ones that pop up. That one's actually pretty decent. And then, um, Listen, uh, the other one I would recommend, if you don't like that one, you should try out XYZZY, also known as Last Skizzy. <laughs> if you don't understand the why it's called XYZZY, don't worry about it, I suppose. It's, it's an old um, interactive fiction kind of like cheat code meme thing. Easter egg, maybe, to some degree. It's, it's, it's like the Konami code with video games. Sometimes you just need to type that in to see what happens if you're playing a text adventure xyzzy or that skizzy type in that skizzy i hope that didn't come off <laughs> come come off as like a bad it sounds like a bad like uh <laughs> bill cosby a skizzy um, all them kids with their computers typing in that skizzy skizzy with the xyzzy <laughs> bill cosby everybody bill cosby so yeah if that interests you the Count by Scott Adams, down below in the description below. Now, the two games I have for the next book club for Pongtoberfest are actually quite interesting. Um, they're fun. They're classics. I haven't played them in years. 
So honestly, I think I think all my memories on it is really vague. But zombies ate my neighbors. Now, what I'm going to do for this book club, and this is the one game, if I don't have time to play anything else, I'm going to like set myself to play this. Because I don't believe I ever played it all the way through. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the Sega Genesis version, and I'm also going to play the Super Nintendo version. And we're going to go head-to-head and say, which one is better? And even if they're like absolutely similar, not like an Aladdin situation where the game is drastically different, we're going to finally figure out which version is better, Sega Genesis or SNES. Now, this is probably going to be subjective, and I might have a bias. If you know me, you'd probably figure out where my bias lies. But figure out which one feels better to play, which one's which one's tighter on the controls which one has better music which one looks better graphically whatever you know that kind of stuff i think i already kind of know what my feelings are going to be if i have a bias but zombies ate my neighbors on genesis and or super nintendo and i'm going to have a head-to-head fight here on the book club yo 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 book club boom 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 and finally um the extra credit game that i'm doing is uh, costume quest on steam it's been in my library for a long time i've been wanting to do it as a let's play but i don't like doing let's plays unless they're blind so it's just been sitting there and i'm like you know what i need i I have a bunch of games i haven't played because of the channel and being like no if i'm gonna do a let's play i'd rather do it blind because i do better blind you know i'm funnier that way you know i don't feel like everything's campy like everything's kind of like trite i don't when I do a let's play, I don't like playing a game beforehand. I like going in blind. It makes things less organized, I know, if it's blind. But, you know, I like that unexpected territory thing because when something surprises me, it honestly surprises me. And you get to see that for the first time with me as the player. If you've played it, and you can watch me and be like, dude, you're playing this all wrong, you're an idiot. With that, yes, Zombies Ate My Neighbors and uh, Costume Quest, and then The Count by Scott Adams. That's for the next book club. Go go look for those. Oh, the reason why I'm, I chose The Count by Scott Adams is it's going to be a nice little lead-in into um, Interactive Fiction uh, Visual Novel Text Adventure Month. Visual Novel, no, what do I call it? It's a Visual Novel Interactive Fiction uh, Text Adventure Month. V-N-I-F-T-A Month. Yeah, the terrible name. But I want to cover all all of them this also includes uh choosing your own adventure games so but that reminds me i think i have an idea of what i want to play for the book club for that because i know i have i've said this before my audience for the youtube channel is like a weird mixed bag i have people coming in for different things and i have a bunch of people coming in because of one thing or like one series and i have another bunch of people that like like me because of my visual novels and that audience is big enough for me to say, okay, I should, I should do this every once in a while, you know, appease the masses to some degree, because I enjoy those games, but I just don't think everybody else does. I want to make fun content that I can enjoy, that you can enjoy, and I can brighten your day with. That's what, that's, that's what I do. That's, that's what I want to do. And this podcast is a bad representation of my work, because it's not, <laughs> I'm not sure if I brighten your day. <laughs> um, anyways, Leave your comments down below if you don't think these are good ideas. But A Midsummer's Night Choice by Choice of Games, which is available on Steam, and it should be available on Android and iPhone. Um, and it's this is like the most like beginner entry like text adventure because it's like you're not typing in codes or anything. You're just doing like it's a choose your own adventure quite literally. Like 
it's like directed paths, like a like a choose your own adventure book from the '90s. So like you know, you you read a little bit, and then you have four options of what you want to do, and then depending on what four options you chose, it goes in a certain direction, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then there's good endings and bad endings, and bad endings and neutral endings and whatever, what have you. And oftentimes with these choose your own uh, cho- choice of games, choose your own adventures. There's also a score to show you what your stats were. And depending, oftentimes also, depending on what you've chosen throughout the game, your stats change. And depending on your stats, different options can open up, which is kind of neat. Another game I'm thinking about doing for the November Video Game Book Club is this one called Namco High, which is this weird visual novel, Dating Sim, officially released by Bandai Namco. And it's now available for free to play online through Bandai Namco's official site. So all you really have to do is Google search Namco High. I figured, okay, if no one wants to put down any money for the book club, we can just do that. You know, that's going to be easy. And maybe I'll actually do a, an actual reading game or review on one of these games. Probably Namco High. And Namco High is also just like a weird parody on all dating sims. So it seems like it's a fun idea. Because what you're doing is you're playing... I want to say you're the, the Katamari Prince from the Katamari games. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the one with the weird like ball that you roll around and you collect junk. It sounds weird if you've never played it. But if you played it, you know it's fun. Um... And <laughs> you're in a school setting, of course, in a high school called Namco High, and you have the option of dating other Namco characters, which is kind of neat and funny and all sorts of stuff. And uh, finally, the other one I have an idea for playing is this one called Fault Milestone 1, which is actually part of uh, the Fault Milestone series. And I never actually played all the way through Fault Milestone 1 because... What happened was I was going to play it for last year's Visual Novel Month, but I ended up not doing it because it just, I was enjoying it. I was really, really enjoying it. But the problem was I soon realized it's really not the kind of game you want to, definitely as a visual novel, it's really not a visual novel you want to let's play. It may be really good, but it's just not good to as a let's play. It's not necessarily most entertaining thing to watch um the art is really good the story is really good and all sorts of stuff about it everything else concept wise it it is really good it's just i didn't feel like it was entertaining enough um but i've been wanting to play it for quite a long time i just never got back around to it so i'm forcing myself to actually go through it and this one's actually the easiest entry level one because it's technically a kinetic novel and what's that you might say well, a kinetic novel is basically a visual novel without the choices. So basically, you're just reading a book. <laughs> and yeah, that's not going to sound appealing to a number of people. And I understand that, but I want to keep this as varied as possible. So, you know, early on for the next book club, we have The Count, which is your, um, your classic old school text adventure, interactive fiction. And then You have Midsummer's Night Choice, which is kind of the modern take on the choosing your own adventure. Then you have Namco High, which is like your standard visual novel dating sim. And then you have Fault Milestone 1, which is your real heady, concept-heavy, plot-heavy, kinetic novel. So that's that's why these are my choices. If uh, you don't agree with it, please let me know. Because I can, or if you have other recommendations of what other kind of games you want me to play. Other games I am, I can potentially put on these lists would also be like Dagon Rampa. 
never actually played it. I, it's been sitting in my library for a long time because it's been sitting down as like one of my um, blind Let's Plays, which I never got around to. Um, but thinking about Let's Plays, things that you could possibly look forward to on the channel if you're into this kind of stuff is Toradora Portable, which is based off the Toradora anime, which reminds me... Oh, balls. Where am I at? One, An hour and 30 minutes of recording-ish? What? Uh, really? I mean, I just... I'm just a rambler, aren't I? Alright, so the freaking anime segment might be kind of short. But Toradora is based off the anime Toradora, but it's in kind of like a, a parallel scenario universe. Where, oh no, the main character who you're playing has had amnesia and wakes up partway through the series. And now it becomes a dating sim. Kind of, essentially. Visual novel-ish. Well, it is a visual novel, but it's... yeah. Apparently there's a mini game somewhere in there. I just picked it up because I was like, well, <laughs> if you, if you ever want to like collect in um retro handhelds, the PSP market is pretty good right now. A lot of things are pretty cheap. Handhelds tend to be pretty cheap usually unless it's a Nintendo console or like some obscure RPG on a PSP, but mostly if you want to play this on your PSP, go right ahead. Now, if you have a hacked PSP, uh, yeah, you can, you can play that. That should be pretty easy to pick up. <laughs> Not going to support that activity, but yeah, that's that's a let's play. I'm thinking about doing it because Toradora is a popular anime. Yeah, it's kind of old, but you know, whatever. People, I looked up on Google Trends and it's still trending pretty well. So I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. Let's just throw it on. Um, thinking about possibly doing the Namco High if I have time. And the big one that I'm really excited for, which is a short one, which will kick off Visual Novel Month right on um, just before Halloween, possibly, is this visual novel horror comedy parody thing based off of uh, the, the old Dracula from like 1932 with Bella Lugosi. I think it was directed or something by Todd Browning. If I can remember what the name was, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely play that as a let's play. It shouldn't be that hard because it's a Renpai game. I think it was something like The Visitor, maybe. Yeah, I think that's what it was called. I don't... I need to look it up. But it shouldn't be hard for me to find. But that one's pretty short. I think it's like two or three hours long from the estimated time of play. I never played it. Wanted to play it last year, but never got around to it. So hopefully we can do that. And that might be my Pongtoberfest Let's Play as well. So stay tuned for that. And it also kicks off Visual Novel Month. So that should be pretty cool. Anyways, that's, that's about it for all the video game book club news and Let's Play news that might be coming up, and Visual Novel Month if you're interested in that. So, let's move on to our... Um... Freaking anime. <laughs> These segues are terrible. So, what have I been watching? What have I binge-watched? Well, I'm caught up on gamers. I uh, binge-watched the entirety of Defrag. I've binge-watched the entire of Is This a Zombie and Is This a Zombie of the Dead. I've binge-watched binge watched the entirety of Konosuba. I've binge-watched the entire of ReZero. I've binge-watched the entirety of Is It Wrong to Pick Up a Girl in a Dungeon, the first season, not the second season. Um, binged all of Toradora. Binged all of Clanad. And kind of wa trying to catch up on Fairy Tale. Oh, boy. That's a long list. Yes, I know. I've been in a weird mood. Give me a break. This never happens to me. And I tried to keep it as video game related as possible. 
Because with Clannad, that's based off a visual novel. Toradora has its own, you know, video game on the PSP, its own visual novel. Um, is it wrong to pick up a girl in a dungeon? And ReZero and Konosuba and uh, Defrag and Gamers are all, like, kind of plays on play on the RPG tropes. Oh, and Mahojin Guru Guru, too. I've been... I uh, ha- haven't watched that as of, like, super recently, but relatively caught up on that. I don't think I've seen the most recent episode of the newest season, new, the, the reboot. I, I kind of want to get back to that once the season's over, and then I'll watch it. Because when it comes to these kind of things, I like binging them. I like seeing the whole arc as as one big chunk. And we'll just go straight down the list. Mahojin Guru, I've talked about it before. It's fun. It's loosely based off of Dragon Quest. It's a parody. It's funny. It's entertaining. And it's mostly kid-friendly. I'd say like PG-13. Uh, Ten years old and older, maybe. Because of some jokes. But maybe, yeah. It's it's not like there's any like fan service or anything. But it's just, eh, there's some s- sketch humor in there that you may not want like younger kids to watch. Gamers, same idea. PG-13, easily. Because there is some etchy humor in there. But it's still funny. It's still fun to watch. The characters are still stupid. <laughs> and that's what makes it fun. Uh, what did I think of Is This a Zombie and uh, Season 2? Um, I thought it was okay. Mm, it was funny, but I wouldn't say it was as funny as the other ones. Um, there were some things that I was just like... The fan service is a little too heavy, personally. But... Which we'll go down and talk about with Konosuba, but <laughs> um, I don't know. The ideas were kind of fun. I, my favorite part about um, "Is This a Zombie" was the main character's um, thing with uh, the the magical girl character, kind of the Moe character, because he is able to use the magic, her magic uh, chainsaw, and turn into a magical girl. I thought that was funny, because he's like, "I'm gonna don the special armor," and he says the magic words and boop 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 like a sailor moon thing and then he gets like this cutesy dress on him and it's just like this is so face palmy and cringy but it's it's pretty funny it's a running gag but you know whatever it's it was still pretty funny all through it um i don't know i'm kind of sad it got canceled because i kind of want to see where the story goes at the same time do i necessarily care uh it's hard to say it was it was enjoyable Mostly. Konosuba, I heard about through um, the Anime Summit podcast, I believe, which is another podcast I listen to. They're pretty funny and quite knowledgeable on their animes, which I'm not. I'm not. I really am not. Um, I would have to... I want to... Yeah, no, yeah, I did hear about that from them. I, it was them. Yeah, it wasn't... I don't think I heard on Weebcast, but it was like... A, I'd have to agree with them that the first season is the strongest. Second season's pretty good, but it's one of those things where it's like I'm not sure if they were planning on being as successful as they were. So once the second season rolled around, they were like, "Okay, we can stretch things a little bit more. We can stretch things out a little bit. We don't have to like try to throw in all our ideas as quickly as possible." But it was fun. Um, it's basically one of those storylines where it's like, "Oh yeah, I should probably talk about the storylines." <laughs> Is this a zombie? Um, basically, first first story arc, major story arc, is that the main character gets killed by some serial killer, and which ends up being this um, rogue uh, magic girl that like 
went crazy and uh, his life gets saved by a necromancer who of course he has a crush on because it's 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 one of those like visual novel visual novelly type tropes but whatever um yeah anyways that's about it and he hunts down the serial killer and realizes the mystery behind it not really a mystery but you know whatever and it's not saying it is i'm just saying whatever it wasn't anything you seriously thought about um defrag it was it was really fun but it was pretty short and that they it's kind of like it's one of those it's a school life anime it's not like anything like mind-blowing it's just the gags were funny i think that's and the characters were mostly likable but except for the main character i thought he was kind of, he was too the main character was a bit annoying some of the characters were a bit annoying but mostly it was it was pretty fun and enjoyable kind of sad that that one got canceled um re-zero ah <sighs> re-zero so i heard about re-zero through the anime summit podcast and they don't like it they pointed out all their hates for it and do realize that it's like a super popular anime and pe- people love it but i i went into it knowing about the flaws and then and i think the biggest problem was that, is that i uh, binge watched it so you know the the plot flaws are so clear all throughout and and hmm, it is a bit disjointed i think the reason why it is fun to watch though is those few moments where it's like the fighting scenes are really good that scene where puck goes like super saiyan and it's basically puts the world into a deep freeze is pretty cool it's this is going to sound tropey if you if you know your animes but it's basically kid dies gets resurrected in a fantasy world and boom and uh one thing is that he's able to die and respawn at save points quote unquote because that's how it works in that for him at least that's his ability um i don't know i was getting annoyed with the character like definitely in that first part because it's like he he's got to be so stupid to not realize that it's he's respawning and it's not regardless of whether or not how like traumatizing his death may have been it's like you realize what's going on right this is basically groundhog day you know i don't know i i i feel like if i was in his shoes i would have picked that up like after the second or third death not like the 10th one you know it's not like oh i think i finally what's get what's going on i don't know there was there's a few things and really thinking about it it was annoying it was grating and i'm in the camp of saying rem is better than um uh amelia just i don't know it felt it was the end of season two was very uh, it leaves a sour it left a sour taste in my mouth because it's like you build up this character relationship between the main character and rem so hard and then he just shuts her down and it's like wow you you are you are just kind of a d-bag aren't you (laughs) i'm just like i don't know and i i looked it up and i i know people were saying that like well in the in the you know in the manga this happens or in the light novel this happens blah blah blah. but i'm in the sentiment of um i i share the sentiment with the anime summit guys well one of them at least saying that it shouldn't it shouldn't have to be that way because you know the anime should stand by itself you don't have to like reference outside it's one of the reasons why i don't necessarily hold minecraft up to such a high bar 
this is a weird analogy. Stick with me on this. Because to like, for most people to like truly enjoy Minecraft, you have to not play Minecraft and go online and look up wikis and like recipes and all that. Unless you want to sit there for hours experimenting with every little thing, with every little combination. And it's, it might be an impossibility for most people. Now, that's not necessarily bad in a game. And that's why man, my, my, mancraft, Minecraft gets the pass. Because there's other games like that where it doesn't really explain much and you got to figure it out all by yourself. But if I'm watching a show, it's not... There's a difference between a video game and, you know, drama media, where it's like one is purposefully engaging and the other one is relaxed. I forget that I'm not using the right terms here, but like, yeah, you might relax with a video game and you might relax with a movie, but one you're actually controlling and engaging it forcefully, being like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do, and you're actually doing things. Whereas a movie, you sit back, relax, and enjoy. So I agree with that. But maybe I don't I don't hate it as much as the Anime Summit guys. But ReZero, hmm. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping they make more seasons to really patch out some of the loose ends. Because it just, there were some things that just I didn't feel like was explained very well. And maybe if they finally bring in more seasons the world can be actually hashed out to its fullest. And hopefully that happens. I want to see that happen because where it stands right now, it doesn't. It feels very unfinished if you're just watching the anime. I'm not going to be picking up the manga. I don't care about it that much. I do want to see what happens. So would I recommend it? Yeah, yeah. If you, if you enjoy like good action fights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'd recommend it. I'd easily recommend it because it does have its cool moments. It definitely has its very cool moments. But that's about it. I don't really have much to say. I'm not good at really critiquing dramatic media. Because I tend to like most things I watch. And I liked all the things I watched, mostly. The things uh, the things I didn't really enjoy too much was Is This a Zombie and uh, ReZero. There you have it. But moving on, is it wrong to pick up a girl in a dungeon? I loved the first season. I started watching a little bit of the second season. I was like, man, I'm not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. Because it's like... It's a spin-off. It's called Is It Wrong to Pick Up a Girl in a Dungeon Gaiden or something like that. And it's and it's not based around the main character, but it's based around the character, the like the super high level girl paladin character that or no, crusader. No, paladin or whatever that the main character in the main series has a crush on. But she's so blah that I was just like I can't after watching like maybe two episodes, I was like, "Eh, I kind of want to watch something else," because I'm not, I'm not in it for the, the action. I'm not in it for the fights. I'm in it for the comedy. I'm in it for the, the character. You know, maybe there is character development over several seasons, but I'm kind of in it for the character development. I'm in it for the comedy. I'm in it for the drama. You know, that kind of stuff. I enjoy that kind of stuff. Not really so much action. So, maybe that's one of the reasons why. I both hated and liked ReZero. So, you know, I'm a real casual watcher on these kind of things. Moving on. So if, if you enjoy, like, weird, wacky comedies, I'd, I'd say, is, is it okay to... Uh, is it wrong to pick up a girl in a dungeon? Pretty funny. It is pretty funny. I'd have to agree. Um, Toradora. 
Toradora is a romantic comedy, school life, slice of life kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I was I was trying to find like my uh, fix on like waiting for the newest episode of Gamer. So I was looking up like things that are similar. And then at some point I came across Toradora and then I think I remember um, an Anime Summit podcast talking about like one of the more recent ones. Like what would you rewatch? Tor- I think they mentioned Toradora or they had mentioned Toradora at some point in one of their earlier podcast and said it was really good so i was like okay whatever i'll pick it up i trust i I trust their tastes so i picked it up and did i enjoy oh yeah oh oh heck yeah i enjoyed it a lot i think i enjoyed it more than most of the stuff on my list i'd even say it's better than gamers but i gamers isn't over so i'd have to see how like the final arcs of that series goes how it all plays out regardless of whoever i'm shipping for you know what characters I have biases towards, who, which characters I like the more, you know, or would like to see how the character, uh, how the story plays out. Regardless of that, if it's if it goes against what I would kind of have a bias towards wanting, if it plays out well, I can be, I can think to myself, well, I still enjoyed it, so it still gets my thumbs up, and I still enjoy it a lot. With Toradora, basically this uh, kind of delinquent kid coming from kind of a broken home ends up uh well he's not he's not a real delinquent he just people just assume he's a punk because he looks like a punk so people all think he's tough and they're scared of him because he's got these eyes that are just like Meh. and <laughs> it's kind of funny he's so he could just like give someone the stink eye and they're like ah, he's coming he's gonna come after us but really he won't um well he might but chances are he won't because he's it's kind of a pushover he has a, a crush on this one girl and then like um, this other girl who um, from a different school who's notorious for beating up everybody else, you know, and being kind of called like the, the palm, palm pot tiger. Yeah. Anyways, they kind of hit it off, but more as like a, a friendship, kind of like a, I'm using you to get closer to blah, blah, blah. And we're going to, I'm forcing you. Now you're my slave and I'm going to, you're going to help me, you know, pick up um, because she has a crush on his best friend and he has a crush on her best friend but and i'm not going to give out any spoilers but they're forced to like work together and then you know friendship blooms and all that i found it to be a a nice rom-com and if there's any if there's any like genre of like drama that i can say i have experience in only because i when i used to be like really heavy into writing i'd want i studied rom-coms i wasn't very good at writing rom-coms but i liked studying rom-coms because i enjoyed them mostly because i like i like the idea of keeping it light and comedic but still having that romance element because a lot of people enjoy romance elements but i don't like full-out dramatic romances so with that toradora easily gets the pass and i'd i'd maybe i might have to rank it like if i were to give it a score i'd say it's like a nine out of ten maybe eight defrag maybe gets a seven the, most of these are pretty good I, I chose good stuff is this a zombie maybe gets like a six because i still enjoyed it i think it was good you know there were definitely some points where i was like oh this is fun you know i wouldn't say it's as strong as the others so moving on oh and that was watching that i was like oh man i gotta pick up i gotta pick up toradora because i was doing some research and i was like oh my gosh they made a visual novel spinoff all right let's let's look that up so hopefully, hopefully I can play that as a, 
a let's play at some point soon. So I want to, I want to do that. Um, finally, Clanad. Oh boy. This was easily one of my favorites on the list. It was because of the Anime Summit podcast. I'm mentioning them a lot in this because that's where my biggest source of information is outside of MUCA and, um, yeah, outside of MUCA. But they were putting it down on their most rewatchable, but they're not sure how many times they can rewatch it because it's just so sad. And, like, it'll make you cry every single time. And it's, like, one of those things where it's going to break your balls, you know. Rip them out. So I watched it, and... For that first season, it, it there were some real sad moments, but it didn't really hit me. And then I think it was because I was binge-watching when I was tired and kind of falling asleep, and I was in a weird mood, but being a father and g- going through not exactly parallel situations like the characters themselves, but very similar situations like feelings of loneliness, anxiety, loss of everything, issues with, like, uh friends, family, and things falling apart, and a sense of hopelessness, and um, alcoholism, and gambling, and all sorts of dark things. It, like, that second season hit me in my deepest, darkest fears, and that's, I thought I'd be able to watch the whole thing without crying, but it was around, like, season two, and you know what, if you've watched it, you know what happens in season two, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I was just like, I can't, I, I can't, nah, damn it. And it's, it was funny. It was interesting because I don't usually cry. I'm emotionally, I am a, a shattered patchwork tin man. I'm broken, but I'm strong. <laughs> That's more poetic than it should be. But yes, I'm a shattered patchwork tin man. But you know. Like, there's very few, very few games that I'm not sure if a game has ever made me cry. And I'm not sure if, uh, there's, there's very few that I can think of off the top of my head that has, like, elicited any kind of emotions from me. And movie-wise, there's very few. They're few and far between. Uh, Where the Red Fern Grows, when I was a kid. Um, not sure how well it holds up now because I haven't seen it in, like, over maybe 20 years. Um, yeah, I think it was about 20 years ago since the last time I saw Where the Red Fern Grows. But that one's sad. That one's, ugh, ugh. If you can't deal with animals and dogs dying, don't watch it. <laughs> if if Old Yeller, if you think Old Yeller is sad, Where the Red Fern Grows uh, tops it. Um, Saving Private Ryan made me tear up. I think it was mostly just shock value. Um, I think that was like in middle school. Um, then again, I was kind of a sap as a teen so you know yeah and then i didn't you know I, I never really experienced the s hitting the fan to its fullest until i was older <laughs> um but yeah no i thought it was really cool and it's based off a visual novel so i was thinking to myself okay maybe i gotta i gotta i gotta pick this up now because it was kind of cool to see it all work out because it had like different endings and stuff and i don't want to like really it kind of plays with an idea of parallel universes and like the multiverse and infinite possibilities and it was kind of neat to see that actually play out well in a visual form of like an anime or a serial actually work and i was like okay this 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 is this might be one of my favorite animes of all time it's pretty cool anyways moving on fairy tale i need to figure out where i last left off 
That's basically what it comes down to because I was like, watched a whole bunch and then stopped for a long time and I don't remember where I left off. <laughs> and there's like 800 some episodes. So I'm just like, ah, I can't, I don't know where I am. And I realized I'm actually a lot farther in it than I thought. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh wow. The timer is hitting close to two hours of recording. So yeah, this is a mini pod. <laughs> This is a mini pod, everybody. This is a mini pod. It's a mini pod. <laughs> let's let's go through this release list really fast. So on the Switch, we've got Pokemon Tournament DX, which came out. The Octopack Traveler demo is out right now. Pokemon Tournament is fun. It's good. Go check it out. If you like fighting games and definitely 3D fighting games, and it's very action-based. Go check it out. Skyrim is coming out on November 17th. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Special Edition. Well, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in general is coming out December 1st. That's a re-release because it came out on the Wii U and nobody bought it. So yeah, Muka's super excited about that. It looks really good. It looks beautiful. It's probably going to play far better on the Switch. Snipperclips uh, Plus is coming out on November 10th. If you liked Snipperclips, you'll like Snipperclips Plus because it's basically that and more. Um, Sign Mora EX came out. I haven't played it yet, but it's... It looked like, it, from what everything I've seen and done my research on, it looks like a solid shmup, uh, side-scrolling shmup. So if you're into that, and I definitely am, go check it out. It may be a little bit too expensive for most people, but as a shmup, har uh, hardcore shmup fan, I think it's a decent price for what it actually is. Um, another one that actually looked pretty interesting, which comes out on October 10th, is this one called Tohu Kobudo 5 Burst Battle. It's a 3D 1v1 fighting game shmup hybrid. And I was like, say what? And that sounds really interesting. I want to check this out. I need to do more research on it. I didn't, I, no one's done any reviews on it. So it's kind of an obscure game, but Tohu Kabuto 5 Burst Battle is coming out on the Switch on October 10th. And it's apparently available on PS3 or PS, uh, PS4. So go check that out. I thought that was kind of interesting. It looks pretty cool. I don't know. I've played my fair, uh, small share, small share of quote unquote 3D shmups. So this could be really interesting. I don't know. Kind of cool to think about. My, I'll have to look into it. Uh, another thing that came out on the Switch was Golf Story. That uh, It's a, a sports RPG. And that's going to sound stupid. And it's going to sound weird. But if it's anything that I think it is, it's going to be amazing. If it's hopefully anything like tennis on the Game Boy Color, or no, yeah, t on the Game Boy, it's going to be good. Because that was surprisingly a JRPG with um, sports elements. And instead of like actual fighting, fighting, you're playing sports and stuff. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's a lot better than it sounds. Go look it up. Golf Story on the Switch. Uh, Mario Brothers, the arcade version is finally out on the Switch eShop as well. I like Mario Brothers. I had to put this on the list. Go check it out. It's the old version of the arcade game. Um, is the price fair? Eh, I think it's okay. I think it should have been $5 at the most but whatever i really want it it, it makes for a really good co-op game um another game that looked interesting was brave dungeon plus dark witch story combat which is uh actually a two-in-one title at a discount bargain price of 7.99 i believe and it looks really good from the reviews that i've seen it's gotten pretty good reviews sevens out of tens usually but it seems kind of obscure but it's a jrpg type game so if you enjoy that and i do go check it out um, one I'm really excited about is Fire Emblem Warriors coming out on October 20th. It's a Warriors game with Fire Emblem characters. Do I really need to explain? It's going to be awesome. 
One that I'm super excited for is Doom in winter 2017 for obvious reasons. It's Doom. L.A. Noir comes out November 14th. Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, the newest Wolfenstein 2 game, if you like old school shoot 'em ups for the Wolfenstein series in general, that comes out in 2018 on all consoles. I think the Switch one might be just slightly delayed, but I'll have to pick that up because from what I've heard about how it looks like and plays like on the Switch, it feels great. And I like the idea of playing a AAA game on the go. Definitely a new one. That sounds, that's very appealing to me. Shovel Knight, King of Cards, comes out first quarter of 2018. It's expansion pack to Shovel Knight. So if you like it, old school Metroidvania games or just Shovel Knight in general, keep an eye out for that. Comes out 2018. Tumblestone, October 5th. I've heard a lot of good things about this and then it just got shoved under the rug and nobody ever talks about it. Um, it's a, kind of an arcade battle puzzler where you shoot blocks up and match colors and all that kind of stuff. I didn't, th people were like raving and ranting about it and being like, this game's amazing, this game's so much fun. And I looked at it and I was like, I don't know. Look, I'm very like, even though I'm a huge arcade puzzle fan, I didn't feel like maybe it has as much depth as I would personally like. Because I do like uh, like Puzzle Fighter, uh, Super Puzzle Fighter and, um, oh, what was that called? Professor Pandemonium Perplexing Puzzlers. It has like the worst name. Heroes Never Lose, Professor Puzzler's Perplexing. Yeah, it's just one giant, like, tongue twister. It's available, the game I'm talking about, Heroes Never Lose, Professor Puzzler's Perplexing Ploy is available on Steam. If you like Super Super Puzzle Fighter, go check that out. That game is good. It's still in early access, but it is everything that makes an awesome arcade puzzler. Tumblestone, on the other hand, yeah, I can, I can assume it's really fun to play and looks really good. But I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit too hard on it because I'm very hard on like puzzle games because I've played so many of them in my time that you know I get very critical. But I don't know. I need to actually play it to really give it good judgment. But it is worth noting because it looks fun and people say it's really good. So Tumblestone if you like puzzle games. Siberia comes out October 20th. That's that point-and-click adventure game that was available on PCs for a long time. Um, Thimbleweed Park is another point-and-click adventure which is now available on the eShop and it's it came out on PS4 I believe and maybe Xbox One. I want to say there's also a Steam release probably but it's got really good reviews. I haven't played it. It looks really good and from what everything that I've seen it looks like it's fun. Definitely if, it, definitely if you like um, point-and-click games. Another one, Rhyme, comes out this fall so go keep an eye out for that if you're into that. Oxen Free, I've heard a lot of good things. Haven't seen anything of it but everything that I've heard, Oxenfree is really good. It comes out October 6th. Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Haven't played it, but I heard it's one of the best couch co-op games ever. But I'll probably not pick it up because there is no online multiplayer. Because it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you can play up to one to four characters, uh, one to four players. But, you know, the de developers of that title are on their high and mighty horse of saying, you know, well, we want to create this type of experience of only couch co-op because you have the most fun in couch co-op. Yes, you do, but what if I don't have the people to play with? Why would I pick that up? I want online, and I don't think it'll ever come because they're holier-than-thou attitude towards online multiplayer. So, yeah, I won't pick it up. If you're listening, that's why. Give me online because... I oftentimes play alone, and it's a handheld mostly for me, and why would I be, you know, 
Have you have you looked at the price of uh, pro controllers? They're like eighty bucks. Why am I going to like pick up four of those? Why would I do that? So, anyways, moving on. Spelunker Party comes out ten nineteen. For my like real real OG fans and followers of Sensei Pong would know I'm not a fan of Spelunker on the NES. I am a huge fan of Spelunky, but those are two different companies. One's Broderbund and the other's uh, indie company I can't remember the name of. And Spelunker Party is made by somebody else. I don't remember who. I don't know. I just, it could be good. It comes out October 19th. What is currently out now, though, another thing that sound, looks really cool if you're into this kind of thing. I think it's a fighting game, mostly. Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 is finally out. Looks cool. Not a huge Dragon Ball fan, so uh, 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 whatever. Licked Spear is out now. It's another indie title. And it seems kind of cool, but from what I heard, uh, the only thing that's turning me off is the balance between price and length. And it seems like the kind of game that I would really enjoy, but be good at. So my experience just beating the game would be too short. You know, and it doesn't seem like there's too much to it. So I'm just like, oh, I don't know. But check it out if you like old school, like, shooties, shooty games. Kind of, um almost like an arena shooter because your character basically it's not a true arena shooter because your character can't move around but what happens is that it's in a 2d like 16-bit pseudo 16-bit graphics old school retro inspired whatever you want to call it character runs out in and places himself and anchors himself and starts throwing spears at oncoming enemies the idea is brilliant it's just i've heard it's kind of short so keep that in mind um Double Dragon 4 is out. It's got, uh, I already talked about that. But I am kind of interested because I want to be able to do the co-op with my kids. And I think they'd enjoy that. So, And I do like Double Dragon. So I'll probably actually enjoy that. One interesting that thing that came up in the Nintendo Direct recently. If you didn't actually hear for some reason because you don't listen to anybody else. And you only get your news from me. And I don't know why you would do that. Is Arena of Valor is coming out this holiday season. It's a free-to-play MOBA. And that's big news for a bunch of different reasons, but it's not really popular in the States. It's super popular in China and I think South Korea, maybe Japan, but super popular in China. And it's, it's, it's good news for the Switch because it's like they're opening their doors to free-to-play MOBAs at this point, free-to-play games. And that's that sounds amazing. That sounds cool. They're finally catching up with the times, and that's this might actually start bringing in other big games, which would be really cool to see on the Switch. Um, another thing that's coming out October 5th is Stardew Valley. Should I explain what that is? Sure. It's uh, a spiritual successor to the Harvest Moon series made by one guy, an indie developer, and it's gotten the most raving reviews ever. And it's one of those indie um, indie hits because it's really good uh, storyline-wise and all that, play-wise, play, play all that. I haven't actually played it, believe it or not, even though being a a huge Rune Factory and Harvest Moon fan myself, I've been holding off on it. It's been in sitting it's been sitting in my library, but I haven't gotten around to it because I've been wanting to kind of do like a review or a let's play or like a um, a head off be like, which is better? You know, Harvest Moon, Rune Factory, Story of Seasons, um, Wild Season, which I also have haven't played, but I've been wanting to like do like a head on head and that was one of my ideas for um, a book club scenario. So anyways, yeah, Stardew Valley is finally coming out on Switch October 5th. And I like the idea of playing that on the go. That seems like a good game on the go. Harvest Moon games tend to do really well on handhelds. So Stardew Valley is really good. Finally, for the Switch, um, 
apparently there's this game, I haven't heard about it, never heard of it before, but it's apparently another Mario game. Super Mario Odyssey is coming out on October 27th. I'm not sure if anybody's covered information on this, but you know, you should look it up if you're interested. You could probably find something on it. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a big title, but I'm interested. I'll probably pick it up. It's Mario. It's, it's, got, it's bound to be good. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, on the 3DS, we've got Cold Set Revolt finally in stores. Yokai Watch 2 is finally out. Mario Luigi Superstar Saga plus Bowser's Minions is coming out on October 6th. Layton's Mystery Journal Catch Real in the Millions uh, Millionaire's Conspiracy is coming out on the 6th as well. And Etrian Odyssey 5 Beyond the Myth 10 uh, comes out on October 17th. The ones that I'm actually most interested in would be Layton's Mystery Journal, Mario Luigi, and Cold Scepter Vault, and Etrian Odyssey 5. Uh, kind of on Yokai Watch. I've never really gotten into the series. I like the anime, but you know, whatever. That's, that's only because my kids are really into it. Um, but they, they're all, they all sound pretty good. Cold Separate Revolt is basically like a TCG board game, hybrid game that you can play on the go, and you don't really get that a whole bunch on the DS. It was originally released on the PSP, so I was, it speaks my curiosity. It got good reviews. It looks good from everything that I've seen and done my research on, and it really piques my curiosity. So I might have to pick that up at some point. It sounds really cool. I want to see a switch, uh, a discounted Switch release, honestly. That's what I want to see, but it's not going to happen. Um, Mario Luigi Superstar Saga is a HD remake, but plus a whole, uh, a whole new storyline and extra content and stuff where it follows the storyline of Bowser's Minions. So that looks really cool. And I like the Mario Luigi RPGs. They're fun. Layton's Mystery Journal, it's a Layton game. It's probably going to be really fun. I'm probably going to like it. I like mysteries. I like puzzles. I like brain teasers. That's all what Layton's about. Etrian Odyssey 5 is a old-school JRPG roguelike. It's bound to be good. On PC now, finally. Uh, Cuphead is finally released. Oh, man, I need to pick that up. That was like, it's like my most anticipated game of the year, but I just haven't been able to pick it up because I've been trying to like budget myself on different things because the past couple paychecks have been kind of small because of hours and all that. So, you know, it, uh, it hurts me. It, it like, it really hurts me. I'm like trying to like figure out, okay, well, what do I want to get? What do I want to get? This, 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 uh, too many things. And unfortunately, Super Mario Odyssey takes precedence over Cuphead. Um, Divinity Original Sin 2 released. I heard that's really good. Um, a, a great CRPG kind of thing with like open-ended CRPG. So I'm really into CRPGs. You should go check it out. It, everything that I've looked into it, everything that I know about it, it actually seems like a really solid title. Um, Steam World Dig 2 is basically a Metroidvania game. It's out on PC. I think it's on Switch also, That's, which probably means it's out on Xbox One and PS4. It's, it's supposed Steam World Dig is supposed to be one of those like new metroidvania games that if you like metroidvania games it's really 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 freaking good and it's not as you know confusing and has a better entry level for like non-metroidvania fans so if you haven't played any metroidvania games before in the past you should probably pick that up as well another game that came out on the pc was total war total war warhammer 2 um if you like the warhammer series and all that kind of stuff the warhammer universe and like uh quote unquote grand strategy but more rts stuff you know, it depends on how you play, I suppose, but Total War games are really good. I love the Total War series. With the whole fantasy thing, I heard the Warhammer 2 has, has gotten really good with all the updates. So go check that out. Project Cars 2 is finally released if you're into racing games. I am, so, you know, I might have to look into that. I probably won't get it, but another RTS game that I heard was really, really good was Tooth and Tail. Uh, it's kind of like what would happen if Redwall went berserk. So go check that out. Um... A Hat in Time. 
releases on the 5th of October on PC and Xbox One. It's, um, I, from everything that I've heard, it's a 3D, well, and seen, it's, a, it's basically a 3D platformer of like yesteryear, but really, really fun. Got some fun mechanics, great stuff. If you weren't like completely satisfied with ukulele, but still want a 3D platformer, you'll probably enjoy Hat in Time a lot more. From everything that I've heard, everything that I've seen, it actually looks really solid and something that I would even enjoy. I'm not even that really big on 3D platformers. I do enjoy them, but you know, they have to be like stellar for me to like truly, really dig my teeth into. And finally, biggest game of the year, the one that, you know, needs to be hyped up and everyone's talking about and a huge game that, you know, is probably going to win all the awards at the, you know, at the end of this year is Bubsy, the Wooly, the Wooly Strike Back, coming out on PS4, Steam, and GOG. See what I did there? Yeah. I'm actually excited about this one. That's, yeah, you can, you can hate me for this, but I've been waiting for a Bubsy game for way too long. Because the Jaguar one was really good, but everybody forgets about that. Why? Well, I know why. No one has a Jaguar. No one's played the Jaguar. Very few people fan. Very few people have played the Jaguar. Not even like hardcore Atari fans have played. Most of them have played the Jaguar. <laughs> but um, Bubsy Fractured Furry Tales was one of the solid games on the Jaguar, and it was also a Jaguar exclusive. So if you're a Jaguar collector, I'd, uh, I'd throw that in. Yeah. Did I talk about Tempest 4000 last time? Yeah, Tempest is an easy pickup if you're a Jaguar collector, and then Bubsy Fractured Furry Tales. That was the other one um, I would say is recommended, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because it is Bubsy, and Bubsy's a hard game to play. Um, and that's about it with the release list. Hua, how, where am I at time? Wow, that still took forever, even though I was going like a mile a minute. <sighs> All right, I hope that wasn't too annoying, but I gotta go. So, fun fact of the day, fun fact of the day, fun fact of the day. The voice, one of the voice actresses, I, I discovered this recently, and it was a bit disturbing and broke my childhood, but one of the voice actresses that did... um Jesse on Pokemon was in this let's look it up. I don't remember what it was called. It's it's a ridiculous name. Definitely not kid friendly. Yeah, you go go down her um, go on IMDb and look up one of the actresses on Jesse. I'll let you figure this out on your own. But yeah, this movie called Big Boobs Buster from 1990. I was like, "What the balls?" Yep. There you go. And thank you for letting me uh, break your childhood. Anywho, with that, if you'd like to know where uh, you can find me, you can find me on YouTube at www.youtube.com slash Mr. Sensei Pong, on Twitter at Sensei underscore Pong, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash um, Brain Farting, at Facebook.com slash Sensei Pong, <laughs> at Sensei Pong, or I also have a link in the description below. I don't remember exactly what the address exactly was but it's my steam curator page that i almost never touch it's um spot picks sensei punk's old timey picks so yeah if you want me to recommend some like old school retro inspired games that are actually good not just like oh we're this is a cash in because that's the other thing i get real critical on like old school inspired games because 
a lot of indie developers, not the good ones, just do that as a cash grab, playing towards nostalgia. And I don't like being pandered to, so I'm very picky about that. Unless it's really good, it can be simple, but as long as it's really good, I'll give you the pass. And if it's really, really good, I'll be like, oh my gosh, this game is amazing, go pick it up, you know. If you're looking for a shmup, if you're looking for a platformer, if you're looking for like an arcade-inspired thingy that's like sort of like Donkey Kong, you know, that kind of stuff. If it's actually done really, really well, go pick it up, you know. That's what the spot picks are for. So if you're into that, go check that out as well. Anywho, and that's about it. Um, I don't. Ha I still don't have a good sign out. No one gives me good like recommendations. So if you're still listening, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for sticking with me on this two-hour mini-pod. <laughs> I chose a mini-pod because I didn't have the time to record. Um, recommend me a good sign-out. In the meantime, my sign-out's going to be keep on gaming, sort of, maybe. Pick up a game you don't know. Yeah, yeah there you go. I like that. Branch out. Explore the world. Find that diamond in the rough. The flower in a poo pile <laughs> go find your flower in a poo pile yeah i like that and until next time Santa punk signing out Black